Alright, can everybody hear me? Well, we didn't have a great Easter as well. I mean, we didn't mention that. I mean, that was awesome, wasn't it? God really, uh, God really blessed us. We had a great Sunday and a great, um, just a time of fellowship. And, and I really believe that the Lord changed some lives on Easter Sunday. Um, so we're excited about that and excited to see uh, what the follow-up will be of the lives that, that were changed. And the people that filled out one sheets, we had six or eight of those. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to, to follow through with those and see people's lives not only change through a decision that they made, but through a life-changing discipleship, right? That they can find not only the Lord and, and come to know Him personally, but grow in Him. And, and, so, and we can celebrate that. We can see Him be baptized and see Him walk in the Lord and see Him grow in the Lord and see Him reproduce and, and reach new people. Um, because that's what our desire is. And so, again, that's, that's what, we, um, that's what we're, we're here for. Um, I, uh, what, what, what was I going to say? Well, again, I, I just want to say um, that if you do figure out a need that, um, that you um, hear about, please let us know. We, we want to know about it. We want to serve uh, in the best capacity that we can. We don't want to double up on things that are already being met, but if there's a need that's not being met, then we obviously want to want to help uh, with that. Um, yesterday, I was, I was uh, at the Cattle Trial all day and, and had a great time, and and, and have gotten to know some of these Cowboy Trial guys. Um, some of them are really neat people. They're just like uh, you know any other uh, type of person that goes and, and, and let's say rodeos on the weekend. These guys do trials as much as they can, and they have a great um, you know great time with you know working with their dogs. But here's the thing: one of the things that I was amazed of the most, and I was amazed about this last year as well, was the the handle that the handlers had on their dog. I don't know about you, but I got a dog who has no handle. Can I be a witness? Anybody? I mean, my, my dog, when I say here, she runs from the hills. Um, when I say skid she does what, I don't know, peas or something. Um, so, again, I, I don't have all that, that luxury in my dog, but yesterday I was amazed at the handle that they have on their dogs. And a lot of them didn't even have to raise their voice, they didn't have to, you know, do anything real loud. It was just a real soft kind of a command that they gave. And, and their dog did exactly what they what they asked. And, and here's the thing that I, I learned from that. It's all about control. If I did, if I had control of my dog, I could probably get her to do what I wanted to do. But these dogs had complete control. Some of them did. Some of them didn't, right? Um, the, the dog that was under the control of the hammer did better than the one who didn't. I mean, obviously. It's just like riding a horse I mean, in a competition. Whoever rides their horse the best or the horse you know, performs the best, that's who wins the competition. The dogs that didn't listen, that overpowered the cattle or blew up the cattle or did whatever, those were the ones that tended to face more obstacles than were even in the pen. I don't know if you noticed that. I mean, did you notice that? I mean, it, it wasn't that they, they only had four obstacles. They created four, five, six, seven, eight more obstacles because they didn't listen and they weren't in tune with the handler. Is this too loud? It seems too loud to me, but I, maybe that's just me. All right, I'm over it now. I'm over it. I'm letting it go. My OCD is gone, okay? Um, but, but here's the truth. The dogs that didn't listen again, they, they, uh, they didn't win. <laughs> they didn't win. They, they, some of the dogs had a mind of their own. They acted out. They made a move. Uh, they got a hold when they shouldn't have. 
But here's the truth. The dogs that were in tune, listen, that were in tune with the handler, that listened to the handler, that obeyed the handler, that maneuvered easily through the obstacles, those were the dogs that listened to the handler. That's just the truth. And those are the dogs that, that took home some money. And if you were there, it's an act of beauty to watch a great, good-looking little cow dog work. I, I don't know about you, but it was awesome. I, I'm amazed at, at how that, that works. Well, today, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how we can allow God to have a handle on our life. How we can allow God to have a handle on our life. For some of you, God has a great handle on your life. This disaster that just happened last night or early this morning, it didn't affect you as much as it affects your neighbors. You know why? Because God has a handle on your life. You have a faith in Christ that controls your emotion. It controls you know, how you deal with disaster, how you deal with uh, maybe failure or whatever it is. And so for some of you, you overcome obstacles because God has a handle on your life. But for some of you, God is yet to have control of your life. And so when all hell breaks loose, when the disaster strikes, when you know the, everything blows up, listen, you, you fall apart. Maybe you're falling apart right now. Um, maybe you're facing an obstacle and, and you're falling apart. Um, can I just tell you this? Victory over the obstacles in life is not, it doesn't come from being free. It comes from giving the freedom away to Christ. Um, it's not because we're free to do whatever we please, but from being under the power and the control of God, who is the great handler. Um, now, you say, well, how do we allow the great handler to have control of our life? How do we do that? And again, uh, you, you may have not been at our church before. We, uh, we have a practical church. I believe in practical preaching. I believe in, in preaching that is applicable to our lives so that we can easily live it out and walk out of this place and you don't have any excuse not to live out what Christ has taught you. Right? I think sometimes I can, and I can do this myself, preach over people's heads, they walk out going, what did he say? Well, today's not going to be one of those days and hopefully for the next, the rest of my life, it'll never be one of those days. And again, and again, here's the deal. Do we desire to go deep into the Word of God and, and, and understand the mysteries? Absolutely. But that's what we do on Wednesday nights. Our Sunday morning service, if you haven't gotten this yet, and if you're a guest of this, listen, our Sunday morning services are for unchurched people. We want people to be able to come and know that God and Christ is accessible to them. There's no barriers to get to Him. There's no barriers even in His Word to get to Him. You can understand this. And you can get it. And so again, how do we allow the great hammer, the God of this universe, to have control of our life? Here's number one. You ready? I got two points and we're done. Number one is this. We have to know the handler personally. And you say, well, I've heard that all my life. I've been in church all my life. Can I just, can I just encourage you? You need to take notes and share that with someone else. Maybe that point's not for you. It's for someone else that God is leading you to so that you can share that point with someone else. And so you say, well, how do I allow the great handler to have control of my life? We have to know him personally. Look at 1 John 5, uh, 12. It says this. He who has the Son has what? Life. Life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have what? Life. Life. Can I just give you another example of a catalog? The, the dogs that you saw yesterday, most of them were raised by the breeder that brought them, or the handler that brought them. 
Either they were raised by that handler or they were bought with a price. And can I just tell you, because I uh, kind of inquired some about this, because I like to have a good catalog one of these days, they're expensive. <laughs> they're stinking expensive. And a lot of the good handlers that were there yesterday, they don't they have a waiting list on their dogs because their dogs are so good. They, when they hit the ground, those dogs are already sold. I have a friend who showed yesterday in an office, and, and I won't tell you his name because many of you probably know. He, got a, he, he has a dog uh, now, his name's Troy. And uh, I don't know if he showed him yesterday, I can't remember if he showed him yesterday, but he turned down $5,000 for the dog. That's a great price for a dog, right? Listen, uh, and here's, here's what I want to say about that, and here's how I want to parallel that to, to us. Listen, for God to have a handle on our life, he must own us. And here's the truth. He's paid the price. Amen. He paid the ultimate price on the cross for our sins. And so if you say, well, how do I, have, how do I allow God to have a hand on my life? When all hell breaks loose, when, when my wife leaves, when my husband leaves, or when, when the kids go, they twist off, when, when my job, I lose my job. How do I have a handle on that? How do I overcome the obstacles in my life? Listen, you've got to know him personally. You've got to know Christ personally. And guess what? He paid the price so that you can know him personally. Because of our sin, guess what? We are separated from God. But Christ was crucified on a cross so that we could know God personally and so that we could be forgiven. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, But he who was, who was pierced for our transgressions, talking about Christ here, he says, he was pierced for our, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. Guess what? We deserve death, but Christ went to the cross in our place. Because of our sin, he was beaten and spit on and crucified for our sake. And his blood was shed for you and me. It's just like the, the song that we sing, uh, There is a Fountain. You know what that's talking about? I'll read some of the words back to you. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's, God with us, Christ, uh, drawn from Christ's veins. And sinners plunged beneath the flood or beneath the blood lose all their guilty stains. You get what it's saying? Christ's blood was shed on a cross so that you can be forgiven of your sins and receive eternal life. And not only eternal life, but abundant life on earth, even in the midst of disaster. Even in the midst of whatever obstacles you're facing. So, so to have power over sin and death, to have the strength to overcome the obstacles or the tragedies in life, to have peace, we must be washed clean. His blood had to be shed so that we could be forgiven. So listen, Christ has already paid the price so that you can know Him personally and know God personally. But here's the problem. Some of you and some of the people that I know, they have yet to give ownership to Christ. For some reason, God has offered them the forgiveness of their sins, but for some reason they refuse to accept the payments that Christ has offered them. And maybe for some of you who are here today, you desire to be in control of your life. As long as you're in control, it's all good. And do we have any people that like to control things in the house, in the barn? Okay, thank you so much. I'm one of those control people too. But here's the deal. I found that when I try to control things, things fall apart. 
But when I give up control and I allow Christ, who wants to know me personally, have control of my life, guess what? Things go better. And so some of you have yet to give him control and allow him to have a handle on your life. And because of that, your relationships are failing, your job's failing, you're failing morally, you're failing spiritually, you're full of confusion, pain, or shame, you feel like you have no meaning, and one trail leads to another trial every day of your life. It's because you haven't given them control. And can I just tell you this? You're not always, even though you give your life to Christ, you're not always going to do the right thing. <laughs> uh, you're not always going to give him control. And you're going to try to take that control back. But listen, if you will give it back to him every time, if you will give it back, he will take it back, and he will redeem it, and he will forgive you and wash you clean again. That's just what he does. That's how amazing he is. The truth is, control is found in giving control to the Lord. And so not only do we have to be saved from our sins and know him personally and give him the ownership of our life, but here's the second thing. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to have a handle on our life. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to have a handle on our life. We give our lives to Christ because He paid the price. But then we have to be led by the Spirit. And you say, well, what's the Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? Well, let me try to explain it. Maybe you've never uh, heard about the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not Casper, right? It's not the ghost that you see on TV. Um, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. If you've never heard of the word Trinity, that's the word that we use for God three in one, the Trinity. There's three of them. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they're all one. And you say, well, I don't understand that. And, and I kind of say, it's okay, because that's how God is. If I could understand it totally, then, it, then I would be God. Right? Let me explain the Trinity as easy as I can for you. I, and I know you have said this before. It, uh, understanding the Trinity is as easy as cherry pie. I, you know that cherry pie? I love cherry pie. I mean, my granny used to make the best cherry pie. Um, and pecan pie. She made the best pecan pie. But a good cherry pie is runny in the middle. I don't like those little... I, even though I do like those little cake cherry pies that you get from, like, Hutch's, you know, Hostess, I love those. I've got my wife addicted to those as well. But a good cherry pie is, is runny in the middle. Now, if I was to take a cherry pie and cut it into three pieces, the crust, if a good glazed crust, is, if it's really good, it'll stick. But guess what? All the inside runs back together if it's a good cherry pie. It's the same way with the Trinity. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can see that there are three different uh, beings, but at the same time, they're all still the same. Just like the cherry pie. I can look at the crust, see three different pieces, but when they run together in the middle, they're all still the same. So the Trinity is easy as cherry pie. You like that? <laughs> so you say, well, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? What does he do for us? Listen, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is this. The role of the Holy Spirit in my life is the counselor of my life. He said, well, how do I, you know, how do I, how do I listen to this? You, you have to know Christ personally. Uh, but what else is the role of the Holy Spirit? He's, a, he's our counselor. He's our guide. And here's the coolest thing about him. The Holy Spirit empowers us to perform in a supernatural way. And I'm not just talking about, you know, healing and all that other stuff. And again, some of that's taken to the extreme. I still believe in healing because it's a biblical thing. 
but I believe in the, the way that God designed it and the, the way that needs to happen. Um, but I believe that God can still do all that stuff. But here's it in a practical way how the Holy Spirit empowers me supernaturally. I am able to forgive someone that I don't want to forgive because I have the Holy Spirit in my life. That's, that's powerful. Some of you guys hate people. Some of you guys deal with hatred. You deal with you know, jealousy. You deal with all these things, and you cannot overcome it on your own. Listen, you will never be able to overcome it on your own until you know Christ personally and you have allow the Holy Spirit to have a handle on your life. What else? What else does he do supernaturally through me? He, I'm able to say no to sin supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys are dealing with sin in your life, and, and you don't know Christ yet. You've not given him your life. Or maybe you're not, you, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a handle on your life, and you're not able to say no to sin. When something's offered to you, when you're tempted, when that boy shows up, when that girl shows up, you're tempted. When that beer shows up and you drink, want to drink too much, you're tempted. because, And you give in to that because you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to have a handle on your life. Listen, the only way that I'm able to turn the channel when I need to, the only way that I'm able to push the close button on the internet when I need to is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. So you say, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? The role, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to say no to sin. What else does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit gives us words to share with those that are in need. Those that, that are in need spiritually. When we see people on the street that have gone through this disaster, you say, well, what do I say to them? Ask the Holy Spirit. You say, well, is he really in my life? If you know Christ, he's really in your life. And you can really rely on him. And you can really turn to him. Some of you guys are scared to share your faith. You're scared to share with that friend of yours that they can come to Christ and have eternal life because you're afraid that, that you won't have the words. Can I just encourage you? Take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. And before you enter into their home and before you get that opportunity, prepare yourself by asking the Holy Spirit to give you the power and the words to speak to them. And guess what? He'll do it. He does it. When I walk into someone's uh, deathbed after someone's died, guess what? I don't have the words, but the Holy Spirit does. And a lot of times it's not words in that situation. It's just being there, right? But listen, if we're going to win people to the Lord, if we're going to share our faith, if we're going to share the truth of God's Word, we've got to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's got to have a handle on our life. Here's the next thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. This isn't the thing that we enjoy the most because a lot of us like sin. All of us like sin, right? Does anybody else like sin? I'm attracted to sin. It's my sinful nature. We're going to talk about it in just a second. But the Holy Spirit convinces us of our sin, and the Holy Spirit comforts us in our pain. And you say, well, again, how do I gain the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit enters into your life when you give your life to Christ. It's not, a, it's not an aftermath deal. When you decide to give your life to Christ and you ask Him to come in your heart and you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, the Holy Spirit enters your life and you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Look, how do we know this? Look at Romans 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. It says this, you, and it's talking about Christians. It says you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. You notice the capitalization there, the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. 
But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit, and that's talking about your spirit inside, like the, the conscience and the spirit inside of you, not the Holy Spirit. But it says that yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit, the Holy Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You know what that's saying there? It said if you got Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit. If you don't have Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, how do I get the Holy Spirit? you got to know Christ personally. So for him to have a handle on your life, you got to know Christ. So how do we allow the Holy Spirit to have a handle on us? Here's, the, here's how you do it. you got to live by the Spirit. you got to live by the Spirit. I know that sounds churchy, and you're like, what's that mean? What's that look like? Well, I'm going to explain it. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Listen to what it says. It says, so I say to you, live by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish ambition, dis dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. You know what and the like means? Pretty much everything else. <laughs> that means he just covers the whole gamut when he says that, right? Um, anything that contradicts the word of God. But, listen to this, but the fruit of the Spirit, and this is how we live by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self Control against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You say, well, how do I, how do I allow Him to, to have a handle on my life? You know, uh, how do I live by the Spirit? How, how do I be empowered by the Spirit? We've got to live in step with the Spirit. Now, I want to use the cow dogs again. And if you notice, there's a lot of uh, conflict with the cow dogs. The cow dogs can either, they can either listen to their handler and do what the handler says, or they can ignore their handler and not do what their handler says. Right? I've got a horse that, or two that's like that. They either listen to you, or they don't listen to you. I, I for sure have a cow dog that doesn't listen to me. But here's the deal. The list, they, they had to listen to the handler, and, or they didn't. They ignored the handler. And one of them, if they listened, led to success and a possible win. But the other one led to failure. And you can see that. I can see that in the dogs. I mean, you can see some of those dogs, they just got that, you know, border collie stare, and they're staring that cat down, and then they get, you know, they're just waiting for the command, and they don't get the command from the handler, but they just take it upon themselves to act, and they blow it up. Anybody there and they blew it up? I mean, you, you could just see it. They're going through this obstacle. All three cats are good to go. And here comes this dog who's not listening. And just blows everything up and ruins it. And they don't win. Right? Well, the same is true for us. We're going to have some conflict in our life. If you know Christ personally, guess what? The temptation to sin, the conflict, all that stuff doesn't just cease. You still face it. But here's the truth. 
There, there's the Holy Spirit there to, to command you, to guide you, and to counsel you through and over the obstacles. That's what the cool thing about the Holy Spirit is. We can live by the Spirit. Here's the conflict. We can live uh, by and allow the sinful nature, which is what it's talking about uh, in those verses, to have a handle on our life. Or we can live by the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to have a handle on our life. You say, what does it mean to live by the sinful nature? Well, look at it. Verse 19 through 20. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Right? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, and it goes on and on. And it talks about everything else and the like. And, and again, you say, well, what does it look like to live by the sinful nature? He gives us a list. And whatever is against the word of God, you don't have to pray about it. <laughs> Do you get that? I mean, if, if, it's, if it goes against the word of God, you, you can just go, okay, that's a sin. I don't have to pray about that. I don't have to justify that. I don't have to try to make that work for my life. No, it's a sin. And you say, well, so how do I know what the simple nature is? Read the word of God. The word of God will reveal to you what sin is, and then you will be able to not live by your sinful nature. And guess what? We all have a sinful nature. We're born with it. Every one of us. Some people think, you know, I'm born and all these babies are pure and they're just, you know, they just want to do what's right. That's absolutely wrong. I have a one-year-old. And he doesn't want to do what's right. He, he is bent towards sin. When we tell him to come here, he runs. When we tell him to be quiet, he screams louder. Um, when we tell him to do something, he says no. How did he know that word? The sinful nature. So again, we're all bent toward that. And you say, well, what's the result? Did, did you look at it in verse 21? Those who live by the sinful nature, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you say, well, what is that saying? Is that saying, so if I know Christ personally, and then I sin, I'm not going to heaven? Is that what that's saying? Here's my answer. No. What this is talking about is if I can consistently live in this sinful nature and, not, and, and make it a practice of the things that I do or a pattern in my life, then I'm probably not saved in the first place. If I can live out all these things and not have the conviction in my life of the Holy Spirit, if I don't know and, and feel in my heart that these things are wrong and feel conviction, then I'm probably not saved in the first place and I will not inherit because I don't have Christ in my life. So again, he's not talking about the act of sin. He's talking about the habit of sin. Does that make sense? I want you to understand that. Just because you walk out of here and you go and you sin like I do, doesn't mean that you lose your salvation. Our salvation is eternal and everlasting. The Bible says that he will, or Christ says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. No one can snatch us out of, our, out of his hand. So that's the truth. But listen, if you're living, if, I'll use myself as an example. If I can live in habitual sin and not feel any conviction of the Holy Spirit, guess what? I'm probably not saved. If you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit when you do things that you know go against His Word of God, that's a true sign that you are saved. So here's the truth. I thank God that I have conviction in my life. If you don't, then you may want to check your heart and make sure that you are a Christian if you believe in Christ. And so we're not to live by the simple nature. What does it look like to live by the, the Spirit? Well, just like that call dog that listened and obeyed, that's what it means to live by 
by the Spirit. For us, if we listen to the Holy Spirit and we obey, we will produce good fruit that will last for eternity. Look at it again, Galatians 5, verses 22-25. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things, these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So you say, well, how do I live by the Spirit? How do I, I allow Him to have a handle on my life? We, we keep in step with the Spirit. A cow dog, listen, a cow dog that wins, a cow dog that overcomes obstacles is a cow dog that's in step with the handler. And the same is for us. A person who wins in life, who has eternal life, the person that overcomes obstacles is a person that knows Christ personally and walks in step with the Spirit. That's what it means to have, for Christ and for God and to, for the Holy Spirit to have a handle on your life. And so here's, what I, here's my last question. What kind of handle does God have on your life? Does he have a handle on your life, or are you just running rampant? I mean, do you tend to give in to sin more than not giving in to sin? That's an indication that he might not have a true handle on your life. Now listen, are we all going to sin? Absolutely. Does the preacher sin? Absolutely. Are we going to walk out here and do something stupid? Absolutely. But here's the truth. I ought to sin less because the Holy Spirit has a handle on my life. And so here's, here's the deal. How, what kind of handle does he have on your life? I mean, what would the, the neighbor say about you? What would your coworkers say about you? Would they say, that, yeah, I mean, that guy's got a handle on his life. I mean, Christ has a handle on his life. I mean, there's something different about that girl. I mean, that girl, she, she can, man, the temptations that I've given to, she's able to say no to. I can't get that. I don't understand that. Does, do your friends see something different in you? Because you know Christ personally, and because the Holy Spirit leads your life, they ought to. They ought to in me, and they ought to in you. And so here's the deal. If you say, no, I, you know, I don't know Christ personally, and I know Christ and, and the Holy Spirit doesn't have a handle on my life, it can change today. It can change today. You say, well, no, I've got to get my life together. It doesn't work that way. A lot of people come to me and they say, hey, bro, i got to get my life together, and then I'll get right with God. You can't do it. I mean, there's people who come in and say that to me all the time. You know, I don't really want to come to church yet because I can get my life right before I come. I'm like, I think it works the opposite. You come to Christ, obviously, and then Christ will change your life, and then you will be made right by Him, and then you can fellowship with the church and grow in your faith. That's how it's supposed to work. And so here's the deal. You don't have to try any harder. You don't have to, to, to do more. You just got to give up. You got to give him control and say, okay, I can't control my life. Every time I do, I mess it up. So I'm giving control to you, and I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to wash me with the blood that you shed on the cross so that I can be led and handled by the Holy Spirit. That needs to be your answer today. And so I'm going to ask you, bow your head and close your eyes for just a second.
I want you to ask yourself, and, and maybe, and again, this is the first time you've been to church in a while, maybe you've been to church a lot, but you haven't asked this question. And, and, and the first question is, do I have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you, your answer to that question is no, I don't. I, I've never done that. Listen, it's, it, it's, a, it's a free gift that he offers you. He has already bought you with his blood. You just have to accept that he has already paid the price. And so, well, how do I do that? How do I give my life personally to, to Christ today? Here's how you do that. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, and I use this scripture a lot, Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you will confess with your mouth, let me stop right there, it's not just about what you say, but it is a confession that you make. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You know what you're saying there? You're saying, okay, I believe that Jesus is for real. I believe that he is the Savior of the world, the light of the world, the hope of the world, the future, the past. He's everything. He's the present King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's what you're confessing with your mouth. And so it says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, that, that, and you will believe in your heart. Now let me stop right there. It's not just about lip service. It's about heart service. And so you may have confessed to him in your life before, but you've never truly given him your heart. And you know what I know that someone has given them, given Christ their heart? It's when they're being handled by the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you guys, maybe have been here and you've done that and you've made a decision, but you have not believed it in your heart. You've not made it a, 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 the center of your life and the passion of your heart. He says that's what you got to do to be saved. So you've got to confess with your mouth. And you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you do this, you will be saved. And so maybe you're here and you've never done that. You can do that right now. <clears throat> There's no secret potion. There's no magic tricks. There is just the truth of God's word that we've revealed today that says that if you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And so maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ truly in your heart. In your seat, right where you're at. In, in your heart. Not out loud necessarily, but just in your heart. You can just say the okay, Lord, I confess you as, as the Lord of my life. Okay, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I want you to wash me with the blood that you shed on the cross. And I want you to save my life. I want to know you personally. And I believe in you. Not just with my lips, I believe in you with my heart. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to embarrass you. If you just pray that prayer, this is the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. Because it's a matter of eternity. And if you just gave your heart to Christ for the first time, listen, we want to know about it. Not so that we can put you down on a record sheet and, and mark you down as another you know, 
person that we've seen saved in our church, we're not trying to build a church on this earth. We're trying to build a kingdom of heaven. So all we really care about is that you've given your life to Christ. But here's the other side of that. We want to know because we want to help you because here's the truth. The devil is still for real and he's going to attack you because you've given your heart to Christ. And if you have us to back you up, to, to get your back, then you will be able to overcome those obstacles even better. And so if you made a decision today, here's all we ask. We just ask that you grab an orange sheet off the guest table. Fill it out. Mark whatever check mark that you need to mark on that sheet. And then put it in the offering bucket, and then we will contact you. It's as easy as that. If you want to visit with myself or one of our elders, we will be here to visit with you after church as well. And so please let us know if you've given your heart to Christ. Maybe you did it last week at Easter, but you've never shared that. Maybe you did it a year ago, but you've never shared it with anybody. Fill out an orange sheet so that we can help you grow, so that you can have allow the Holy Spirit to have a handle on your life. Please give us the pleasure of doing that. Maybe you're already a Christian. You've already prayed that prayer. You've already asked for forgiveness, but the Holy Spirit it doesn't have a handle on your life. You're still living by that sinful nature that's supposed to be dead. Can I just encourage those of you that are Christians? Give your life to Him daily. You need to get your mind and your heart in the Word of God so that you can be handled by the Holy Spirit. You say, I don't know what my sin is. Ask the Holy Spirit who will reveal it. You say, I don't know who to talk to about my faith because God told me to share my faith, but I don't know who to talk to. Ask the Holy Spirit. And then listen, open your eyes, and he will reveal you to you who you need to talk to. And so today, as we um, maybe walk out of this place and we face people that have gone through a disaster, and not just in an earthly way, but in a spiritual way, that don't know Christ, I, I pray that each of us will walk out of here with the hope that we have and share that through the power of of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you that, that we have an opportunity to worship you today, even in spite of the chaos around us. That we have hope, we have assurance, we have joy, we have the comfort that, that only you can provide through us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Lord, I pray that if there was someone in this room that gave their life to you personally for the first time today, that they would realize that this is the greatest decision of their life, and they need to share that with someone so that they can receive the help in growing in their faith. And for us as Christians, Lord, may you have a handle on us through the power of the Holy Spirit. May you give us the power that we need to forgive others. May you give us the power that we need to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ. May you give us the power to say no to sin to love our wives, to love our husbands, to raise our kids, to live out life at our job, at the workplace, wherever it's at, at the rodeo. Give us the power that we need to be handled by you. And we give you the glory. And we do, we pray for those that are in need. And may you put us in their path so that we can meet their need. It's in your name I pray. Amen.